Today, I talk to director Tina Satter about her debut film, Reality, plus critic Linda Marrick on the film. Here's Tina on Reality Winner. I mean, as she says at one point in this transcript and in the movie, why do I have this job if I'm going to be helpless? I mean, that is just such an intense and moving thing to feel. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith and today we're talking reality. Reality is a new drama based on the incredible true story of a young woman called Reality Winner, played by Sydney Sweeney. Reality Winner stirred up a media storm when she leaked a classified report about Russian interference in the US elections. This film uses transcripts of the real conversations she had with government agents. I welcome the film's director and co-writer, Tina Satter, as well as fellow critic, Linda Marrick. Here's Tina. Well, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. We're really pleased to have you and congratulations on reality. Such a powerful, gripping film. I'm excited to talk to you about it. First of all, could you tell the listeners a bit about yourself as an artist? Yes, yes. Um, I'm based in New York City and I have... For, I guess, almost 15 years now, I'm a quite serious theater maker. And I came out of the, the contemporary avant-garde experimental world of that, actually premiering a lot of shows in New York and then traveling, having them presented in festivals and theaters around the world, actually. But, you know, was also making weird video pieces with my artist friends and my theater friends. And I'd done, always been interested in film and movies, but... This is my first um, feature. So I, yeah, this was the content that was, I was like, I could make a movie with this. Well, this is a very exciting way to start, I must say. Can you tell me a bit about the origins? Is it right that this originated as a play? Yes, it was a play um, first that was called Is This a Room, which is one of the lines um, from the transcript itself. I, when I stumbled upon the transcript, I was like, wow, this is incredible content. And this woman reality winner is fascinating. I think there's something in this. And I was like, this is like a thriller and it feels like, you know, it could definitely be a play, but this feels like the kind of movie I would want to see and, and try to make. But the first, most easiest way for me to make something, and I had a theater commission right then, was to try to get it on its feet as a play. So in 2018, I started working on it as a play, which premiered for the very first time in January 2019 in New York City. Well, as you say, it does lend itself to the cinema, I think, because I mean, I was just absolutely on the edge of my seat. What were the challenges of bringing it to the screen after the play? Well, I really wanted, you know, this happens on June 3rd, 2017, and it's all in real time, one afternoon at reality's winner's house when she's surprised by the FBI and then they start to question her and this interrogation ensues and just unfolds. And because we had the transcript document, which had the first word of that and the last word and every everything in between, I was really wanting to keep it as much close to that one afternoon and then essentially this one location, her house, her yard, and then inside her house as possible. So that's inherently sort of a filmic challenge for a couple of reasons. Like, you know, is, it, is that enough 
to keep people there. And then it's a like really, you know, a potentially a limited palette to be shooting in just one lawn and then just one room for such extended periods of time. But I was really excited by that constraint and found collaborators who, who were too, and we could dive into that. This is my partner, what partner? Wally Taylor. Hey, how are you? We have a search warrant for your house. Oh my goodness, okay. Would you like to see it? Yes, please. 125 pounds, you guys, flatter me. Sorry, I have a sense of humor. I was on your driver's license. That's right. Okay, well, I lied. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> it really is amazing. I think it makes it very, very intense to know that what we're hearing is from the transcript of that FBI recording. And I, there's a real sense of kind of impending doom, which is tangible. I mean, when you read the transcripts in the first instance, um, kind of what surprised or shocked you? Well, what was so surprising was like, first, how long reality kept avoiding having to say what she did, how she went head to head with these highly trained FBI guys. You know, that was really fascinating to me. I was like clicking through like, when do they get her? When, I mean, this is incredible. The other thing that was so striking to me was like the diversions into these banal conversations that keep happening in the midst of this intense questioning. Like the agents are obsessed with where her cats are and are they in the bed or under the bed, you know, and they continue to return to have these strange conversations among themselves, not even with reality about these cats. So that sort of banal details. And then you know, they talked to her a really long time about how she does CrossFit and where she does it. Sort of this really regular chit chat that when I read it, I was like, this could be like they're on the front lawn in Texas having a barbecue and you've just met someone and you're chatting. It like, but at this, the, something very intense is actually happening. So that, those dichotomies were really fascinating to me in it. Definitely to me too, because I think we're so used to watching, you know, fictional crime dramas and, and things where, where the dialogue is is largely invented, if not completely. What do you think is, you know, particularly interesting for audiences to hear the real words exactly, as you say, in that weird banality, which is almost kind of slightly eerie? Yes, it, it totally, because I, you know, I think it does two things. I've always imagined that reality is like, in those moments when they're just going to talk about her workouts for a long time, is she like thinking, okay, maybe this is actually going to calm down and... They're just going to say, great, nice to meet you. We'll follow up, you know. And I think as a viewer, you sort of start to do that too because you're like, what is this conversation? It's going on weirdly long considering they clearly have another aim of why they're here. They've already said they're there to investigate something quite serious she did. So it's just this crazy like sort of sets you into this potential relaxation, but it's not relaxed relaxation. It's like such tense waiting to see what's next and and but but with these amazing then details of her life also coming out like where she works out because reality is funny then she says some funny things in those moments so it really offers you a lot of cool content in those banal dips so is your dog friendly <laughs> okay well uh, so she doesn't like men okay so. <laughs> so that's a problem. Yeah. Um, she may come towards you, but okay. she's never bitten anybody. She's not aggressive. She's just got, you know, a really good growl going. Okay. She'll probably hide under my desk. Do you have a, a leash or something? I have a leash. Can, okay. I can, I can get a leash up. 
Yeah, it is funny. And, and it reminded me of, you know, the way I sometimes respond to stressful situations to make jokes, you know, and it's quite interesting to see her sort of doing that. And the gender dynamic is interesting, isn't it? Because you've got um, a young woman here and, and men in authority. What interested you about that? Oh, God. I mean, that was like the thing, I, another huge thing when I'm first reading it, because in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, you have this girl. She's 25 years old at the time. She's literally wearing like yellow Converse jean shorts and has her hair in a top knot, like totally regular. And then suddenly over the course of that hour, there are 11 men in her small house and yard with concealed weapons, but she can see them and know there's concealed because that's the thing. You actually can see the, the bumps of where these weapons are. That is just such a wild prospect. Even though reality is this really smart, really tough, really physically able person. That gender dynamic is just so intense. And I always imagine like, oh my God, what if I opened, there's a knock on my apartment door, my small apartment door, and suddenly there's like men in power. I actually know I've done something wrong, but for a certain reason. And then suddenly there are all these men there. I just, that just is so terrifying. And I really was curious to like physically, you know, explore what that would have felt like for her. Definitely. I mean, it's incredibly relatable, I think, because as you say, she comes across as a relatively ordinary person. How key was the central casting for that for you? It was so critical. I mean, of course, of course, it's called reality. It's about her. My main dramaturgical line in was what was it like for this young woman? And essentially in a certain world is performing a long form close up of one conversation and ride out that emotional trajectory, like also be able to modulate the emotion so that you're not either, she's not acting terrified or crying the whole time, but also is letting us into the slight moments where she's starting to get scared. Okay, she relaxes. Someone who could subtly play that rise and fall in the emotional trajectory of this young woman's afternoon was critical. Sydney is fantastic in this, she really is. And I wanted to ask you how you feel about the real reality winner having made this film. I don't know if you want to talk about how you feel about her political actions, but in terms of her intentions and her as a person. I'm in awe of the real reality winner. I, I mean, she she's just a marvel to me for a, so many ways for choosing to do something that you believe in when you feel that you th see people are being lied to when you have access to information. I mean, as she says it, one point in this transcript and in the movie, why do I have this job if I'm going to be helpless? I mean, that is just such an intense and moving thing to feel. And I think when I first read about reality is 2017 in the United States, and I felt sort of embarrassed to be from the US, like who cares about our state? It's a terrible place. And this young person like cared enough to do something that like we can be better as a country, we can be better. As a state, we can try to hold up ideals. And that was so striking to me. It really cut into my sort of cynical, like cool kid artist vibe thing of like, oh, what if you actually cared and you had that chance and you took it? I mean, that was so striking to me. And that's when I really thought of her as this really fascinating young American at that point who held all these various things from military service to yoga teaching, but then also still in just a, a real clear way cared that we could be better. And that was just really fascinating to me. Would you see her as an activist? How would you sort of term her? That's a great question as reality an activist. You know, and I don't, she is so smart and I don't even want to say contrarian, but she has such clear ideas of what who she is and what she did, or she's always evolving those 
you know, in really smart ways. And you can often see that on, on Twitter in particular. So I guess there's definitely an activist spirit there. It's like, I'm seeing something that I don't feel is right. I've thought about this and based on ideals and a proven track record, like at that point, she had served our country. She had been in the Air Force for four years. She knew Arabic because she thought, oh, great, our world, our whole world would be better if those of us that don't speak Arabic could speak Arabic so that we all can communicate better in these highly loaded moments and conversations. So, you know, I guess to me, those are a bit of activist threads. I don't know, you know, at that point, though, she was working what was actually a civilian job and was just trying to have a life. So I don't, you know, I don't think she intended to take this huge activist act that would blow up her life the way it did. It was right there. And I just, I didn't care about myself at that point. When did you realize the technical capabilities of that article? Sources and methods. Sources and methods are valuable to adversaries. Yeah. Okay. With that in mind, why did you make the decision to send it anyway? Honestly, I just figured that whatever we were using had already been compromised. And that this report would just be like one drop in a bucket. Yeah, I presume she didn't necessarily know the full extent of the risk she was taking, but I don't want to give too many spoilers if people don't know the whole story because they're going to want to see the film after hearing about this. Um, Tina, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, particularly in terms of a gender perspective in the film, if there's anything you feel we haven't touched on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating to the way I've since learned that those FBI visits, as they call them, or interviews, although of course it feels utterly like an interrogation, are, re- are really specifically planned, that they set up, they either, you know, they either decide to come in guns blazing or they decide to have no weapons or they decide to have them concealed and that there could have been women FBI agents that were there with them. Although there aren't that many female FBI agents, there are female FBI agents. One does not did not come that day until she's um, patted down at the end. So that's really interesting to think of that choice to to, to use gender. And to me, I think, they had they knew a lot about reality before they um you know come to her lawn that day and i think they probably knew she was a really physically strong they knew she was a physically strong and very very smart young woman and i think um that gender play of these all these men and just trying to sort of have either casual chit chat or even like dad like chit chat with her is just it's just there's so many dynamics to think about there from like, oh, that's a smart way to do it to it's a little bit creepy to, yeah, it's just it, the gender stuff feels really knit into this moment in in reality's life for sure. Totally. How would you, not going to say persuade people to watch this film, but who, I mean, our, our listeners, what would you hope they would get out of it if they go to see this, preferably on its open weekend? Well, I think it's a really unexpected thriller in terms of like, what does a movie just offer you? You know, like you, it's really like, how how I first read it and then, you know, worked really hard to capture on film was like, you don't know what's going to happen next. It's weirdly unexpected. The young person at the center of it, this blonde girl in a top knot, as you continue to hear her describe where she's worked and what she knows and as it unfolds, it continues to be really like, who is she and what did she do? So you get that thriller aspect. And then I think in this, you know, moment we're living in, 
we're still in, you know, as history always is, and we're all in a very particular cycle of it in 2023 that I think, you know, started in the U.S. and globally around, you know, 2015. I'm not, you know, not a political scientist or, you know, political historian, but I think, you know, there's a little bit of it operating as a period piece kind of thing of, of 2017 in the U.S. And who was it? Not only what was happening that this you know movie literally has geopolitical ramifications what reality did but what was it like what was a 25 year old in the US you get this all incredible character study really really close up on one young person who'd come of age in those times and i think that's a really interesting slice of um our moment to see too what's next for you after this film um well right now very excitedly getting to talk about this movie um as it rolls out into the world which is just you know really thrilling and um exciting and I'm grateful to get to be doing and yeah thinking on a couple um next projects and just yeah now that I'm through all the making of this finally like sitting down and getting prepped on what could be next in film and theater so well congratulations like I said it's a really exciting debut and it's always brilliant to meet um a debut female filmmaker so congratulations again and thank you so much for joining Girls on Film oh thank you so much for having me it was a real pleasure to talk to you that was Tina Satter now here's Linda Marrick, critic and journalist, to give us her take on the film Reality. Linda, welcome back to Girls on Film. Thank you for having me back. It's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> how, have you, how have you been? Yeah, good. And I think last time we did it was at the beginning of the pandemic, actually. It was. I think you were on our first lockdown special. So that was a pretty momentous occasion. And we've come a, lo- a long way since then. Um, I think a lot of people actually discovered us during lockdown. So thank you for your part in that. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. So I, I've asked you to, um, to watch the film Reality, which is a fascinating film, I thought. I think hands down so far... My favourite film of 2023. Wow, amazing. It's an incredible movie, really. If you were talking to a friend and and you were saying, okay, this is my movie of 2023, how would you describe it and why would you recommend it? I'd describe it as being verbatim cinema, which is basically the same as verbatim theatre, which is taking words that real people have said and changing absolutely nothing to them and then having actors tell them. And in this instance, it's even, it goes even further than that. The story is this uh, whistleblower who works for the American army. Basically, it is accused of leaking some papers uh, to do with uh, Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. And the film depicts when she's confronted by the FBI at her home one morning or one afternoon after after work. Well, she's just on her way back after having done the grocery shop. Yeah, she just runs some errors. It's like a normal day, isn't it? Which yeah. kind of enhances the intrigue, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and she's confronted by two, these two FBI guys who seem like very nice to do guys. And I feel like she knows exactly what's going on from the start, but she doesn't give anything away. And the film follows the trajectory of her from being sort of accosted by these um, FBI guys to being inter- interrogated in her own ha- home. And uh, the director uses uh, recordings from that interrogation, which is, I think, incredible. Reality. What if I said that you printed out classified information That document has made its way outside of NSA. And the most likely candidate is you. 
I think you know a lot more than what you're telling us at this point. I'm trying to deploy. I'm not trying to be a whistleblower. That's crazy. Now, why I'm here is to figure out the why behind this. Look, I'm here. We're speaking to the director, Tina, in this episode, and it is fascinating what she's done. As you say, it's, there's something incredibly vivid and immersive in using not just the real language, but the tempo of what's going down and just just watching that. I don't know about you, but I was absolutely on the edge of my seat. Same, yeah. And I, I think, I mean, uh, there's always like a tendency to say, oh, it's very sparse and that's why it's very convincing. I don't think this is sparse. I think th- there is so much going on in this, but that you are confused what to look because you don't know what's happening. And I, I went into it. Actually, I only looked up her story after I'd seen the movie, because I didn't want to be taken away from the story. So you can't know what to decide. And I think the adding some details like the pets, where are her pets going to end up? And it's just incredibly well done. I am like gobsmacked at the precision of the filmmaking. And it is really intricate. I wouldn't call this a sparse, sparsely made movie. No, it may be chiefly one location, but at the same time, there's so much going on with the dialogue, with the characters, with the interaction, and trying to figure out what these guys' agenda is, is so fascinating, isn't it? And, you know, as you say, they're asking these kind of what seem like trivial questions about the pets, but I started to get fixated on that thinking, oh God, is something going to happen to the cat? Is something going to happen to the dog? And getting like really nervous about that. And I think that's quite clever because um, A, it's exactly what they were saying, but B, it helps put you in the position of reality because like her, you're thinking, oh God, am I going to be okay? And are they going to be okay? And why why do they keep harping on about the cats? You know, what's going on? I absolutely loved, um, there, there is a um, the FBI agent called Garrick, who's Josh Hamilton, who I've been a fan of for such a long time. And here, he kind of straddles this kind of like, um, uh, in between the nice guy that we we are used to in, for example, in eighth grade, this, there's a fake charminess about him that, makes you feel like what are you really up to what you know you can't you can't be that understanding and then eventually we we work out that he knows exactly what he's doing all the performances Sydney Sweeney is excellent and you know she's excellent in everything she's ever been in so far because I sort of know her from sharp objects primarily what did you know her from before Euphoria. She's just, I mean, she's doing really well. But she's a fantastic actress and I think she's perfect here. She's really good, isn't she? Um, And there's something very accessible about her as a character. And the gender dynamic is something to talk about here, isn't it, Linda? Because you've got these uh, men coming into her home, invading her personal space, albeit within, you know, the realms of the law. And the way that they deal with her, as you say, that kind of softly, softly approach... What did you make of all that? I thought it was kind of threatening. I felt that maybe she didn't feel threatened because I think she's a kind of very tomboyish. She does loads of so, so I think she's she's used to this male dynamic in the work that she does. I mean, she's a, she's a soldier after all, you know. She's a, she's waiting. But I did think there were two different ways of looking at it. Um, I think the softly, softly approach from the Josh Hamilton character seemed like a fatherly figure type thing. And then there was this sort of, oh, don't touch your own phone thing. You know, there was a, there was a scene which really took me back was um, David Marchant, I think his name is, the second actor. And uh, I think that 
that um side of it yes i know what you're saying about the 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 sort of gender dynamic but i i felt like that would have been any the same had it been female or male and even when she was being searched by the female uh, fbi agent after afterwards after after we find out what happened that wasn't exactly a friendly exchange either no indeed no indeed i mean i i, I personally found the whole thing brilliant to watch but but quite stressful because you're just imagining what it would have been like for her I mean without because I I also didn't know the full details and I think for anyone listening we don't want to say exactly what what went on and what happened to her um, because we don't want it to be spoilers but um, for yourself how do you feel about her as a person having watched the film about reality winner I think she should have been celebrated for you know for breaking that story and the way that she's been treated is extraordinary. Any other country, if you are leaking something that's a threat on the country, you should be heralded as a hero, not the other way around and end up sort of the situation that she ended up in. I think it's good that her story is becoming better known in lots of ways, including this film. Let's go back to filmmaking because I think Tina is such an extraordinary director. She comes um, from the stage and and brings that sensibility, but somehow this is still very cinematic. What did you admire in her filmmaking? I think the precision of, uh, you know, making sure that you are going to provide exactly what was said and not veering off from that, like properly, properly doing exactly what you had to set out to and also not simplifying it, not adding any anything melodramatic or frivolous to the story just because you want to make her look good. I mean, this is a person on the left, obviously. She's a democratic sort of sympathiser. But she also, in her house, she has an assault rifle, which isn't exactly the most lefty thing. But, I mean, she could have easily taken that little detail from the story but she wanted to be honest I think what I admire admire the most about her filmmaking is her the honesty by which she has decided to tell this story and I think often Hollywood sort of adaptations of these real life stories biopics tend to sort of you know sanitize it a little bit to make us sort of root more for the protagonist but I but I didn't really need that to be I was already rooting for her so I didn't really need her to be sanitized in any way if you know what I mean. I do. And, you know, on Girls on Film, as you know, we're always going on, we want complex female characters at the centre. We want real women. And how more real can you get than the actual words that were spoken in a drama? And also, what a gift of a name. The girl is called reality. The film is called reality. It could not be better. Because you don't seem the type to do this. I'm not. I'm not. I want to go out with our special forces. I mean, that's why I got out of the Air Force. I, 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 that's, that's why I'm here in Augusta. I, I was trying to get my clearance back so I could get deployments. I, I just was at a time I wasn't applying for deployments. I, I had seven, eight months left of a job that didn't mean anything to me because it's, it's Iran and I'm a Pashto linguist. Like, what am I doing translating Farsi? I, I just... I felt hopeless and seeing that information be contested back and forth, back and forth in the public domain with everything else that just keeps getting released and everything that keeps getting leaked. Like, why can't this get out there? Why can't this be public? 
What kind of films did this remind you of? Because it was interesting when you were talking about the genre at the beginning. The Arbor, Clio Barnard's film, um, sprung to my mind because I think it uses the recordings, um, audio recordings of real people and then actors um, very cleverly sort of mouth the words. That, again, is is using kind of real real life recordings. Is there anything else this recalled for you? I think the way the film execution reminded me a bit of The Assistant from a few years ago, you know, like slow realisation that where it's going on behind this locked door is something absolutely horrendous and horrific. And we are, in this story, we are slowly sort of marching towards this absolutely horrific uh, revelation for her. It's almost like a, a horror story, really. It's just like, oh my God, where is it going? Where is it going? Where is it going? You know, so... Yeah, that's a really good comparison, actually. And we, we covered The Assistant, um, yeah, in lockdown, as I recall. So, yeah, people can listen back to that episode. Um, Linda, is there anything else about the film that you wanted to, to mention that we haven't touched on? The only thing I, I really want to say is that I, I respect so much the commitment of trying to really be honest with this film, and which is not, I think, loads of the time, loads of times uh, a, a filmmaker starts by making a, a one type of film and they are sort of goaded into making a different type of film because uh, the producers somehow think this might play out better if it is if the script has changed a little bit. And I, I actually admire uh, the commitment in keeping it as it is because uh, I, I, it's probably, for the better anyway, makes it more extraordinary, makes it more sort of stand out a bit more. Yeah, there's nothing as strange as real life sometimes. And this the first film really shows that. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about it. Oh, you're welcome. And, and Linda, tell the listeners how they can um, listen to you more, read you more, where they can find you. I write uh, a film column for the Jewish Chronicle every week, every Friday. I also, um, I, I do some interviews on YouTube uh, via hey, hey You Guys. I I write for Yahoo Films UK and uh, the, the New Scientist, uh, all sorts. Google me and you'll find my work. In- You're a busy freelancer like myself, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, I am. And and you can also find me on uh, Instagram, TikTok. Well done. You're on TikTok. You embrace that. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> Good work. I have to find you. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much again. It's lovely to have you back. Um, and thanks for joining us. That was Linda Marrick. UK listeners can watch reality in cinemas from Friday the 2nd of June 2023. Girls on Film is an HLA production. Brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott, audio producer Emma Butt and assistant producer Eleanor Hardy. Many thanks to our partners for this episode, Vertigo Releasing. I'm Anna Smith. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you soon. aggressive she's just got you know really good growl going